tell you a joke. A Sunday school teacher asked the children to draw Christmas pictures. She goes over to one student's and student and sees that she's drawing a picture of four people on an airplane. Who's this? Or what is this? She asked. Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus on a flight to Egypt. <laughs> he said, well, who's the fourth person? That's Pontius, the pilot. <laughs> Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day, for all of your love and guidance and mercy. Thank you for using me today, Lord, to share your word, to, to cast out the seed of your word of God into the hearts of your children. Let it take root and bear fruit in their lives. That it will bring about wonderful growth and change, and they will be able to share it with others and do the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah. Last week, uh, talked about some things. I wanted to, uh, I wanted to start with this question last week. Can I get a witness? And I told you I couldn't because we had to lay some groundwork. So if you listen by some other method, if you weren't here, I know you did. And you got it. But we needed to establish some things. Primarily the kingship of Jesus Christ. So we had up there last week, who, who do you say I am? The kingship, the lordship, the greatness of Jesus Christ, his, his way, his truth, his life. That's preeminent. So we ask the question, who is Jesus to you? Because as we discussed, until, 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 the Lord says, until you get rid of all the Trojan horses we talked about, the war between Greece and Troy last week and how they tricked them with that Trojan horse. Making them think it was a gift, something good. They brought it right in their midst. And it's the means by which the Greek army used to defeat Troy. But until we get rid of all the Trojan horses that have been paraded into the church and accepted as good gifts, supposed good gifts, until we decide that Jesus is God, Jesus is Lord of our lives, Jesus is the only way to the Father, Jesus is the only one who can baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, until you stop relying on religion and enter into relationship with Jesus and let him love you, Well, then you just lost. Amen or oh me. Amen. 
you have to see yourself as the Lord sees you. Amen. It's so important because in Christ you are a new person. In Christ. Amen. Not just not someone that just goes to church and they've decided to turn turn over a new leaf. I'm getting better. I'm changing my ways. No, that's not that's not God. That person may not even be saved. In Christ, though, if you've been born again, you're forgiven, you're redeemed, you're justified, loved, powerful over all the works of the devil. You're blessed. You're an ambassador here in this earth for the kingdom of God, for Jesus Christ. He has spiritual laws at work for your benefit. God's word is true. His promises are true. His spiritual laws are true. They're real. They're for you. But if you're in rebellion or unbelief, they can and will work against you. No fault of God. It's catching us back up to speed. Amen. Remember all this? It's a matter of seeing yourself in your new identity. Embracing the blessings of God and accepting not only the blessings of God, but the responsibilities that go with them. This is about maturing in your Christian life as a disciple, as a believer, as a follower, not just a fan of Jesus. Amen. We're going to be in the book of Matthew today, the Gospel of Matthew. And look in the 16th chapter, starting in the 13th verse. Matthew 16, beginning in the 13th verse. It says, Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Speaking of himself. And they said, well, some say John the Baptist. Which is really interesting. <laughs> Seeing as how he just had his head cut off. <clears throat> others say Elijah. And others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father who is in heaven. See, he's talking to him about revelation, spiritual revelation. Your carnal flesh, this world, nothing, nothing you can see, taste, feel, or touch. No knowledge in a book in this life showed you that I was the Messiah, the Son of God. It was my Father himself showed this to you. It was revelation from God. And he was very excited. He said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. 
Now see, last week I said I wanted to talk about your, your witness for Christ, but first we had to establish, you had to establish in, in your own heart and mind who Jesus is to you. Because as you see him, as you trust him and his teachings, that's going to determine how you see you. And your success in this, this beautiful journey, this beautiful adventure of life as a water-walking, powerful, loved, blessed child of God. Amen. Amen. I told you a little bit last week about the boxer George Foreman, his testimony. How he had experienced that death experience in 1977 after a fight down in Puerto Rico and uh, and he, he always believed that there was a God but but it didn't matter what religion you know you were or, or, or any way you chose to worship him as long as you believed he was there there was a higher power and you you were you were good to people you'd be okay that's what he always believed and he said he, knew, he already determined he was never going to go for that Jesus stuff but then when he died, he didn't want to die. He, wanted, he said, I could still box. And he's thinking about all his real estate and all that. And he said, Jesus said, I don't care what you could do or what you have. I want you. And he saw all that stuff crumble behind him. And he saw a sea of death and hell and people of all religions and nations and tribes and tongues. And he came back into his body shouting Jesus and jumped into that shower and fought off eight men to get in that shower because they didn't want him in there because that's a bad thing for a hot athlete but he, he walked into basically a water baptism on his own and started shouting hallelujah and never even words he didn't even know then he started speaking in tongues ever since then if you know much about his real life he's a powerful man of god powerful man of god loves the lord jesus tells everybody he said, before then, I was going around glorifying or exalting George Foreman. Since that day, I've exalted no one but Jesus Christ. Amen. Yesterday, if you saw my Facebook, I posted a testimony from Deion Sanders. He was, a, some of you know, was a football player and uh, also played baseball. Very, uh, very powerful, but... Uh, he had a similar encounter. And now, everyone has their own salvation to work out with fear and trembling. I don't know what they do with it afterwards, but uh, it's none of my business. I'm not the Holy Spirit. I'm not the judge. But I thank God. I don't care. I pray for people that, I pray for every big personality. Even if they misrepresent God and hate God, I, I, I pray for them. Lord, if you just get a hold of them, what a powerful witness they'd be. That's what Deion Sanders says. He says, I didn't get called to the pulpit. I got called to the field, to the locker room, to the television station, you know, to the to the athletes. I got called to his sphere of influence. You see, he had a similar encounter in a condo in Cincinnati. He basically had everything and had nothing. Anyone know what I mean? Ever been there? Yes, sir. He said he all he wasn't like George Foreman. He said he always knew God was speaking to him. 
Always knew it. But as he described it, God was calling him collect and he kept refusing the charges. <laughs> he, would, he wouldn't take the call. <laughs> he finally took the call and the Lord revealed himself to him in a, in a powerful way. And he accepted Jesus Christ as his God and his Lord, his Savior. And uh, as, as we must all do it at some point in this life, lest it be too late in the next. Amen? Amen. We're all going to bow the knee to him. But if you do it in this life, you're redeemed. Amen. If you do it in the next, it'll be too late. You will do it in the next. Either way. <laughs> but there'll be no chance for repentance then. See, this isn't a dress rehearsal, folks. Yesterday really did end last night. We're only here for a flicker. Life is brief. The older we get, the more we realize that. <laughs> and surrendering our lives to Jesus and learning to walk with him and, and, and know him and, and the Father and to be led by the Holy Spirit, that's your purpose in life. That's your purpose in life. John 17, 3. Jesus gave the very definition of eternal life. He said, this is eternal life, that they know you, the one true God, and your son, Jesus Christ, who you have sent. So that's it. You're seeking the meaning of life. There it is. He died for our sins, for the sins of the whole world. But he's either going to receive his glory and honor due from you in this life, or it won't happen in the next. Just pray. Just begin to thank him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. 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 I want to share something else with you, but I don't, I'm going to save it. Move on. So we're talking about relationship with the Lord. And submission. That's, uh, that's two words that don't often go well together. That's why we have so many broken relationships and broken marriages. People like the forgiveness part. Oh, I like the forgiveness. The Lordship, not so much. <laughs> Can't let him tell me what to do. It's my life. Well, eh. <laughs> wrong answer. Relationship and submission to Jesus is the key. One of those keys. You should have a lot of keys on your key ring, your spiritual key ring now. Submission, relationship. Is key to experiencing the love and the grace of God in this life. It's not how you earn it. 
It's how you position yourself to benefit from it. It's how you cooperate with what's already been granted or obtained or put on account for you. Because it's all right there in your account and you can live there. Or you can step out. You have a free will. Amen. Amen. But it's the key to experiencing all that he has for us. Walking in it. Having his blessings chase you down. Huh? Everybody wants a miracle. Miracles are wonderful. Samuel was looking for one the other day. When we prayed for him, as he went to go minister to that man who had been sent home on hospice, I don't know if, if he said anything to y'all, but uh, he led that man to the Lord. Then he passed away. seen each other much in what 30 years praise God that's a miracle didn't get the other one but Jesus couldn't perform many mighty works in his own hometown because of their unbelief My own brother was led to the Lord. Thank God. I tell people he just didn't stick around long enough to experience the benefits of his salvation in this life, but I know I'll see him in the next. Wish he had. Let's continue. So we were in Matthew chapter 16. So in the 18th verse, after Peter has this great revelation, you're the Christ, you're the son of God. And verse 18 says, and I tell you, you are Peter, which means rock. And you're and on this rock, I will build my church. Now the Catholics took that scripture and they said that Jesus meant that on Peter, the rock of Peter, he was going to build that church and that Peter was the first Pope and that's how it all started, folks. And I can tell you by the Spirit of God, that's wrong. And when you start on the wrong premise, everything's wrong. What he meant was he will build his church on this rock of revelation that he is the Christ. He is the God. He is the, the son of God. The redeemer. Amen. He is the only way. <clears throat> Hallelujah. I'm not against anyone. I love them. I love everyone. But I'm telling you it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. It says in here, 
while I'm on it, I don't know why, I'm Lord, if it's not you, shut my mouth. It says in here in, in the end times, they'll come with deceiving doctrines and teachings, forbidding to marry. And eat certain foods. Listen. On this rock I'll build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you. The keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth. Shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth. Shall be loosed in heaven. So you have Jesus identity now. You have his authority now. His blood is coursing through your veins. The life that you now live is no longer you who live, but Christ who lives in you. The same power that raised him from the dead lives in you Amen. and gives life to your mortal body. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords, the only true and living God, Jesus Christ. You're a child of God, redeemed, blood-bought through Jesus' shed blood on Calvary. And as a result of, of understanding that, who's the only one of the four types of soils that Jesus described? Because he said, if you don't understand the parable of the soils, you won't understand anything about the kingdom of God, anything I teach. Which was the only one that the enemy could steal from. The one who didn't have understanding. You're the light of the world. I don't want these just to be familiar words. That you hear in church. I want you to walk in the revelation knowledge of these things regarding who you are, your true identity in this world. Now, you're the light of the world. But how can your candle light up your environment if you keep continually dimming it on purpose to blend in with your surroundings? Who do you say Jesus is? And who do you say you are? Those are very important questions. Very. Because you have to change the picture of you on the inside of you before you can change it on the outside. <laughs> But once you start heading that direction, inches become miles. If you don't quit. If you don't quit. All through my high school years, I had a little, I had a bulletin board in my bedroom. And from my freshman year on, I had a folded up piece of paper this size. It started out with a picture of Superman on there. 
But one day I folded it up into a square like this and I wrote on there, don't quit, exclamation point, and I pinned it on that bulletin board because it had something to do with my mother and me. I had been sneaking off to more karate classes, riding my bike across town. She didn't know it for some months and needed some money to pay for the stuff. She found out, she said, no, you'll just quit just like you do everything else. I never did pay those fees. I got so good, they made me an assistant instructor for the children's class, and I quickly moved up and up and up until I was an instructor there and was teaching the adult classes. So I didn't have to pay. <laughs> <laughs> But you know, it plagued me my whole life. I was still a quitter. It's one of the first things that God showed me about me. I don't think I've ever shared this. <laughs> one of the first things he showed me about me just a day or two into my salvation, my real salvation. He turned the pages of my Bible with the wind and it landed on something that showed me that. And I knew he was talking to me, and I just broke down. That's why no matter how things have looked around me, how much I haven't understood sometimes the choices that he had me to make or the decisions regarding the ministry and all that, I just, I just agree with God, and I keep on keeping on, and I'm going to keep on keeping on. Until I see him face to face. Amen. And if all they can accuse me of is, well, you just talked about Jesus too much. I'll be all right. I always talk about the book of Ephesians. I love it. It's only six chapters. Really easy to read. And it's beautiful. Paul wrote that. And, you know, the first three chapters are all about um, the benefits of our salvation, our position in Christ, the, the inheritance we have in him. And then because of that, you see, you don't want to get the cart before the horse to become legalism. But because we are already blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, all things pertaining to life and godliness have been given to us, Peter said. Because of that, then chapters 4 through 6 tells us all about the responsibilities that come with those blessings, you see. Luke chapter 12, starting in the 40th verse, Gospel of Luke chapter 12, starting in the 40th verse. Jesus says, you, must, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Peter said, Lord, are you telling this parable for us or for everyone? <laughs> and the Lord said, who then is the faithful and wise manager 
He just dismissed his question. He did that a lot. <laughs> it's for everyone. Who then is the faithful and wise manager whom his master will set over his household to give them their portion of food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that servant says to himself, my master is delaying in coming and begins to beat the male and female servants, servants and to eat and drink and get drunk, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he does not know and will cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful. Huh. And that servant who knew his master's will but did not get ready or act accordingly. Let me say that again. He knew his master's will but did not get ready or act according to his will will receive a severe beating. But the one who did not know and did what deserved a beating will receive a light beating. Everyone to whom much was given, of him much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. And listen to what Jesus talks about. For all of you who have all of your award ceremony speeches all planned out. And you want to say that you just want peace on earth. Jesus said, I came to cast fire on the earth. And would, and I wish, and would that it were already kindled. I have a baptism to be baptized with. And how great is my distress until it is accomplished. He knew he was going to the cross. Do you think that I have come to give peace on earth? No. I tell you, but rather division. Now listen, it's important that you understand that in the last night of his life, he prayed for unity, didn't he? So this is not his desire, but he knew this is what he would bring when he came because of who he is and who would accept him and who would reject him. He said, it's not going to bring peace to the world. It's going to bring division. For from now on, verse 52, in one house, there will be five divided, three against two and two against three. They will be divided father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. As I said last week, this cultural war in the natural that we are experiencing is just manifestations of the greater spiritual war raging around us in the heavens. So we have a part to play. A great man of God once said, what a precious and valuable thing is the human soul that both God and the devil so desperately wanted. God's asking today, 
Can I get a witness? You have to be brave. You need all of the keys of the kingdom that I teach on. You need to make them your own. You need to have them ready on your keychain and walk in power and victory and love adorned with all the gifts of the Spirit and you need to know your true identity so that you are strong in the face of adversity. Because I believe that I believe that I believe that we are the generation that will see the coming of the Lord. Amen. So let's just talk about your witness for a minute and then we'll be done. Because I want you to leave with it fresh on your mind. Not as something that God is saying you need to do to earn his love or acceptance. Because we're talking to people who have already received his love and acceptance and salvation. And as a byproduct of that relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, he's saying, can I expect some things from you? And I'll empower you to, to do everything that I ask you to do. But I need a witness. I need you to be a witness for me. So a lot of folks don't like to talk about sin anymore. Well, that's not grace. The Bible, Jesus is grace. Okay. Take away Jesus. Show me some grace. There isn't it. Father, Son, Holy Ghost, creation into which entered corruption. We were stuck on four. And then thank God for Jesus' redemption, the grace of God. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Why not sin? Why not sin? Why live holy? Why get into lockstep with Jesus? Amos 3.3 3 says, How can two walk together lest they be agreed? God's saying, Come on. Get in step with me. I'm not going to change and be like you. But why? Why is this so important? I'll give you three reasons, okay? First of all, He loves you. Don't sin because God loves you. Hmm. I thought it's because he didn't want me to have any fun. <laughs> sin is fun. For a minute. <laughs> but the enemy is in charge of sin, you see. He'll take you further than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and charge you more than you want to pay. God loves you. He, he wants to protect you from the enemy of your soul. I say the enemy, the devil. Romans 6, 16 says, Do you know, do you not know 
that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. God or the devil. So you have a choice, don't you? We always have a choice. Even after you're born again. Before you're born again, you had Satan's nature in you. That fallen, corrupted seed that came all the way from Adam. Wasn't really your fault. Devil made me do it. Yeah, sort of. Once you're born again, there's nothing compelling you to sin. You still have the ability to sin with the best of them. But no, nothing making you. Really, it's like this. It's like, like before you're born again, it's like, you do, it's like I'm, I'm, mad, I'm mad at you. I ain't going to forgive you. I'm going to get you back. Uh, I'll, I'll, I guess I'll get over it. I guess I, no, nah, I'm going to stay mad. Stay mad. I might say I'm okay, but I'm mad. That's before salvation. After, ooh, I'm going to stay mad at you. I'm going to stay mad at you. I'm going to stay mad. No, I can't. I forgive you. I'll let God handle it. I'm not saying it's okay. But I'm trusting God with it. That's the natural response, you see. You can still be mad. You can be carnal all the rest of your life. Never pay any attention with the truth of this word, you know. I still probably maybe see you in heaven. If you don't get too far gone and wax cold and become insensitive to God and lose that salvation, I believe you can. Read the book of Hebrews if you don't believe me. But it takes a a lot of time. As long as your heart's still sensitive, you care what God says and thinks, then you haven't lost it, so don't worry. <laughs> Do you not know that whoever you obey, that's, that's who you belong to? So you have a choice. Hebrews 10, 38 and 39, the writer of Hebrews says, but my righteous one Who's in right standing with God? All those who have received Jesus. So you're righteous. You've been made righteous, created righteous. My righteous one will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, so that's his choice. If he shrinks back, I will take no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Matthew chapter 24, verses 12 through 14. Jesus said, because of the multiplication of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. He's talking about the end times now. He said that, that everybody, most people's love will, will wax cold. It's just wax, just like a candle. You just dip that string over and over and over till it builds up, builds up, builds up and they wax cold. They're just not even sensitive to the leading or the guiding of the Holy Spirit anymore. But the one who perseveres to the end shall be saved. And the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come. John 8, 10 through 12. Jesus was there when a woman was drugged out in front of him and thrown on the ground who had been caught in the very act of adultery. They didn't bring the man. 
if they were caught in the act, it was illegal for both of them. They didn't bring the man. They threw her down though, and they wanted Jesus to condemn her because it was part of the law that she could be stoned to death. But Jesus challenged them. He wrote in the dirt. People have ideas about what he wrote. But he challenged them that who, whoever among you has no sin, you cast the first stone. So from the oldest to the youngest, they all ended up walking away. So starting in the 10th verse, then Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are your accusers? Has no one condemned you? No one, Lord, she answered. Then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, Now go and sin no more. So he didn't condone the sin. He just said, there's no condemnation for you from me. But then he said, he, he, he said that it was sin because he said, now go and sin no more. And then what most people, most people are familiar with that. But something the Lord showed me, the next verse, because now he goes ahead and shows you how to sin no more. In verse 12, once again, Jesus spoke to the people and said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Amen. If you truly follow Jesus, you will sin no more. I, 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 I'm not saying you're never going to. Tell that guy that cuts you off what a jerk he is. Probably will, if you're like me. Then you'll repent. But you won't drag him out of the car and stomp him like no other. <laughs> but listen, what caused Peter to, to deny Jesus? It says, when they arrested Jesus, John followed along and went right in with him into the but Peter followed at a distance and I always say that distance that space between him and Jesus is what allowed the devil to come in between them yeah. follow Jesus you'll never walk in darkness John 5 13 and 14 Jesus healed a man by the pool of Bethesda but the man who was healed did not know who he was for Jesus had slipped away while the crowd was there and then verse 14 said afterward Jesus found the man in the temple and said to him see you have been made well stop sinning or something worse may happen to you he didn't say stop sinning or I'm going to put something worse on you if he put sickness on him he wouldn't have healed him of it a house divided will not stand the devil was the one who did that to the man Jesus healed him. And he said, stop sinning and I'll just embellish this or you're going to open more doors for the devil and he's going to come back and put something worse on you. Yeah. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. Amen. So it's because of his love for us, isn't it? That he doesn't want us to sin. Because sin is, a, is an imitation 
to your party, written to the devil. Second thing, it's just not if you have belonged to Jesus, it's just not who you are anymore. That might seem simple. You are not the old man who just got fixed up and is doing better. You died on that cross with Jesus. You'll never understand this in the flesh. But you did. You were renewed. Born again. That's what your water baptism is a picture of. It's an outward manifestation of an interchange that has already taken place. Death, burial, resurrection to new life. Second Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, old things have passed away. All things have become new. All things have become new. What does that tell you? Because 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says you are spirit, soul, and body. A three-part being. Obviously, your flesh wasn't renewed. Obviously, your soul, your stinking thinking, your mind was not renewed. It was not saved. Neither was your body. Your spirit was born again, renewed, sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Perfect forever. One third of your salvation is over. Thank God. But you need to see yourself after that new man. You are a spirit with a soul in a body. The third thing to save time. And this is the one, the bigger one. They all go together, though, as part of your witness. But the third one is for the reputation of the kingdom of God. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus or it's all about nothing. He created you new and left you here partly to be renewed in your soul and your mind and come into agreement with your born again spirit and by the leading of the, the word of God and the help of the Holy Spirit but also to help others to populate the kingdom of, of, of God Amen. Amen so he needs you to be a witness to others to the world so they'll want what you have in Christ the love and, and the life of Jesus. God loves people, don't you know? Second yes. Peter 3, verses 8 through 10. Says, Beloved, do not let this one thing escape your notice. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. You're talking about when is he coming back? It's so long. When is he coming back? It's not that he's not ready. Jesus is ready. 
but is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So it's God's love that's preventing him from coming and ending this age because he, because he knows that Jesus is going to have to stand in judgment against all those who rejected him, and that's going to be very sad for him. So he's, he's hoping that more and more will come into the kingdom of God. But it's not up to him. It's up to us. He's given us all authority. When he sat down, he was finished. But how many Christians will never speak up for Jesus? How many Christians will never invite somebody to church? How many Christians have people living all around you? And they never even knew you went to church or that you were a Christian. I'm just saying. Verse 10, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and its works will be laid bare. Matthew 24, 14. What will bring the end? Because if you read in Matthew, you'll see there's a 10, 10 scriptures that line up the things that must come, must happen, must take place, and then Jesus will come. And so you always see people pointing to the sin of the world, the corruption, the, the evil. None of that stuff is going to motivate Jesus to come. It's not going to be initiated by the world or by Satan or anything they do. It's going to be initiated by the church. Amen. We're the ones responsible for ushering in the return of our Lord Jesus. Hello. Not evil. Not human affairs. They're going to happen. All those things. Wars and rumors of wars. And people's hearts will grow cold and apostasy. People will turn away from the church. And they'll turn on each other. All, those, all that stuff has to happen. But that's not what does it. The decisive factor is through our obedience to the call to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. In Matthew 28. I'm not going to. Jesus gives instructions to believers. Before he leaves. And he tells us to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Now, not everyone is called to a pulpit ministry. Right? But everyone has a sphere of influence. You have friends and loved ones and co-workers all that stuff. But the church has to engage in outreach. Is my point. And if you think that you're not important in that, you are. Because there are people that know and trust or will listen to you that will never hear me or Andrew Womack or Billy Graham or anyone like that. And 
It has to be in unity to be effective. This is a big one because churches, the church in the United States of America on Sunday morning is the most divided thing in the country. And it should not be that way. If we're not unified in our approach to the world, and let's just start with this little body, because that's all we can really, we can encourage the rest and pray for them though, amen? Yes. But if we're not unified, the world, they would be entitled to say, physician, heal thyself. I mean, right? Yes. If this is, if this Christianity is the answer for everything, let's see it work for you before you recommend it to me. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> if they don't see a loving, unified church, they would be justified to say, "No, thanks, man. I have enough problems of my own." It's So see, we have a responsibility to represent Jesus, to represent him well in our day-to-day -day lives. We're not entitled to have bad things. And if you really believe the word and you magnify the Lord more than you do your situations and circumstances, you never will have a bad day. Hey, I'm preaching to myself too now. That's the truth. Peter and John, them in Acts, opening chapters of Acts, they were, they, almost every day, they get a whooping, they got beat from preaching in Jesus' name. And they left the jail singing and praising God that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name's sake. Now that's loving Jesus. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day and for your word. We thank you for the simplicity of the gospel. We thank you for your intent here, Lord, which is not to scold us, but to encourage us to embrace all of the beauty and benefits and identity of our salvation, the power that you have given us, the authority in your name that we have, encouraging us to believe it and receive it and walk in our new identity so that we can be a bright light to a sick and dark and dying world. Thank you, Lord, that we receive this message as helpful, hopeful instruction to do that. And we know that you're the one who empowers us to do so. All we need is a willing and obedient heart surrendered to you. So, Lord, we just... We just yield to you today. If that's your prayer, if that's your testimony, just raise your hand right now. Lord, we just surrender all to you. And Lord, we're not, we're not perfect at it, but you just begin to speak to us and lead us and guide us and, and tell us who you want us to speak to. And just say, whatever it is, we don't have to be great theologians. We just have to know what you've done for us. 
Just tell people that Jesus loves you and he died for you. Plant that seed. Let someone else come along and water it. If that's all you know, then that's all you need to sow. Thank you, Lord, for giving us all this wonderful seed. Everything you have shared today, Lord, through me is true. Your word, your will. Help them to remember it, Lord. Help them to make it their own, to make it revelation knowledge, to take root, bear fruit in their lives. We thank you, Lord, for loving us so much. In Jesus' name. Thank, thank you, Simon. Have a song. Thank you for his guidance, for his provision, his power, his salvation. 